Hey everyone, my name is Abraxas. I'm a strategist, thought leader, and creative, and you're listening to the first bonus episode of IWC Schaffhausen's weekly podcast series, Creators Time. IWC are a luxury watch brand from Switzerland who have decided to partner with me for this amazing series. This week, we're talking about love, poetry, and the power of the pen with Sully Briggs. Sully is a London-based poet and spoken word artist. He's been praised for making spoken word and poetry more accessible to a new generation due to his blunt street-level aesthetic and approach. He also writes and has worked with artists such as Caspian and penned tracks that have spent time on the charts internationally. So Sully, I hope you're doing well, bro. How are you doing today? I'm good, fam. I'm good. I'm very well. How are you doing? I appreciate it. I'm humbled by that introduction. It's all true. So Sully, I'm going to do what we normally do here. We do a nice quick fire round. I've asked this question before, but I want to throw this one your way. You've got a friend that's coming to London. They're from Tokyo, right? They've never been to London before. You have them for six hours only. North, East, South or West London. Where are you taking them to to show them London. What represents London for you? North. North London, Wood Green to Tottenham, Alexandra Palace, Chicken on Tottenham High Road, outside the, the um, yeah, Chicken on Tottenham High Road, Seven, <laughs> Seven Sisters Road, every single barbershop, grocers and butchers. That's London for me. They can find all the other tourist stuff themselves. I like that. I like that. So North London is where you grew up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I've lived all over London, but North London is where I spent the most time and then uh, and the last place in London that I grew up, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I love the view up top of Alexandra Palace, actually. That would yeah. actually be quite a cool place to take somebody and be like, hey, look at this view. All right, cool, cool. Second question for you. You went to university to do law. Why law? And what was your favourite subject at high school? Favourite subject was English. Law was because I had African parents and they weren't going to let it slide. <laughs> that, that was literally it. Bro, that, that, that's literally it. There's no other like, explanation for it. I, I was very good at essay-based subjects. And it was kind of like, okay, if you're going to do essay-based subjects, you're not going to do English. You're not going to do like sociology, critical thinking, none of that stuff. It's like you're going to do law because it's professional and it applies to your skill sets because formulas and maths and stuff wasn't my thing. Yeah, I have I have a problem with the formulas in the math. I'm definitely an essay-based kind of person myself. All right, one one more icebreaker for you, Silly. One more icebreaker for you. Quick one, really easy, really easy, really easy. You've got one a one-way ticket, a one-way ticket to anywhere in the world. You've got to stay there for, you know, a month, set up, get things right. What country are you going to? Ghana. Undisputed Ghana. I'm going back home, baby. I don't even have to think twice about that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I still haven't touched the continent yet, but it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to hopefully with you. Yeah, bro. You. When you're ready, let me know, man. You know, I get busy in these streets, man. Come on, man. I got you. <laughs> All right. Sudi, you've had a really kind of like a weird, interesting career, like from what, I, from what I've been watching, right? From everything that I've kind of seen and you know, from the peripheries and now knowing you. My first question is this What does it mean to be a poet in 2021? Because if somebody walked up to me, a couple of years ago when I was working in finance and said, I'm a poet. But what do you mean you're a poet? You know, that, you know, clearly that's a career that you know, doesn't exist anymore. So what does it mean to be a poet in 2021? I think it's finding 
because I mean, typically before, like you said, it was on the page or, you know, um, like you write and you'd send it out. I think nowadays it's been able to find a platform to communicate your voice. You know, I mean, obviously there's the medium of poetry, which is like rhyme and like, you know, all this other like technical stuff. But I really think, especially when you see TikTok, it's kind of like finding a platform and being able to assert your opinions. I find poet, poets tend to be very opinionated on ho- mainly, hopefully, contemporary issues, sometimes issues that have passed, but just finding a platform to express that, but then doing it skillfully. Do you get what I'm saying? So I feel like that's what differentiates you from the other kind of creatives that there's a certain skill that is associated with poetry. I do, mine is more spoken word. So, you know, there's the cadence, there's a rhythm, but it's basically finding the platform, finding that audience and finding the place to communicate to them. For me personally, I'm I'm not the authority on all things poetry, but just in my opinion. All right. So spoken word poetry, this is, this is sort of your, this is your, your mechanism to sort of talk to the world. At what point in your life, are you like, I want to do this? Where do you start to, you know, so first of all, when do you start garnering success from this? When are you like, oh, I'm good at this. And at what point in your life are you like, this is something I would like to explore? It was probably when I was in university. Um, so I was studying law. I graduated. Um, I hadn't graduated. I was leading up to graduation. And at the time, I just got with my wife, who was my girlfriend. And she kind of used to just see me like, like walking into lectures late or not going at all, or, you know, like, just taking the last day before the essay and staying up all night to hand it in. And she was kind of like to me, listen, like, you have to be serious about something, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to be together. And it's not that I wasn't serious in life. It's just that law wasn't the thing I was serious about. I was serious about lots of other things. And I guess she was like, what, what else are you good at? And I was like, I'm good at this, this, this. And she was like, she'd seen me perform like a year before and she was like oh I think you're quite good at this poetry spoken word stuff and you just take it a bit more seriously and I was like nah 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 I don't really want to come out and do that and she was like well you need to do something be serious about something that in her from her perspective so that was the thing that I was like all right cool so during the process of that she, um I just started taking it a bit more seriously and I guess once I start something I get quite obsessed with it and I guess it was more kind of to show her that you know, I am quite serious about it. But then it was like, I'm actually quite good at it. My biggest reservation from taking it serious was what other people would think of me, like back in London, you know, back at home. Like, it's not really a cool thing to kind of do. I get it. I really do get it. It can be interesting, especially when you're, uh, I don't know, like young. <laughs> you're kind of, you know, you're trying to find your footing and something. You're like, hey, you know, I'm really into spoken word. I really into spoken word, poetry. But this is it, right? We go through this process where we're trying to find our feet. And essentially, we then kind of find out who we are. And, you know, I think it was Stephanie Simons that said, you know, I wish I got weirder sooner. And by weirder, I always, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like by weirder, what you really mean is finding out who you are a little more, finding, you know, digging into you and finding out what you want to do because everybody's weird in their own way, right? Yeah. So no, I, I can truly appreciate that. Truly appreciate that. Okay, so you're at university, you start doing, you know, spoken word a little more, you're doing all these other small things, which is really, really cool. And you're start doing your law degree that you're not so interested in, right? Where was your first point of success? Where are you like, oh man, I'm good at this. Or man, maybe I can make this something I can do long term. It, it was kind of having that conversation with, with my wife, but prior to that, so I performed at like a local ACS kind of show and straight after that show, someone called me and was like, oh, my friend wants you to come and perform that same piece at our ACS show. 
And I was like, okay, cool. Then I went and performed then. And they was like, oh, we want you to perform somewhere else and we'll pay you like £30. And for me, I was like, oh, right. Like this little thing that I was doing, which I didn't even want to do in the first place, people kind of seemed to appreciate it on a level that was outside of me. You know, and, and that's what I guess for me, I always think like we have all these ambitions and all these ideas and we we, we, we say we want to do this, we want to do that. But that's why I always say try as many different things as possible, because when you do, sometimes the world responds and then you start to realize that this is maybe what I'm really good at. You know what I mean? Because it's so hard to figure out what you're good at. But for me, it was based on people responding. And I was like, OK, we might have something here, you know, and then it led into graduation and I started putting it online. And then I'd be walking around campus before graduation and people would be like, oh, I saw your video. I like what you're doing. And it just kind of gave me the idea that maybe I have something unique in this space. That's an interesting way to see it, that you didn't really notice that you had these talents, right? It was through people affirming, you're like, oh, you're really good at this. Or I like the way you did that. Or, you know, it's kind of weird when somebody maybe says, oh, you have a great smile. And you're like, I really don't like my smile or whatever it is. But when somebody starts to affirm you and the more you hear it, the more you start to believe it. I think it comes down to a case of like you believing in yourself. But that's incredible. So you're doing, and ACS is it was Afro-Caribbean Societies, right? At university. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, yeah, so I'm, oh, man, I'm done. Nice. That's a throwback. Yeah. yeah, bro, like that's my generation. So I've been to like almost every ACS. It was just, and that's where I really learned how to be on stage and how to perform. But I think from that, I, and I've always treated my career that way, like in terms of like, I've, I, I think that I'm so great at doing this. But then sometimes you have to just experiment and try stuff in life in general. And you, you get re- something else will reciprocate the energy that you have. Do you get what I'm saying? And you'd really be like, okay, cool. Um, maybe this is my calling or maybe I have a unique thing. Our people are so reserved. We're so afraid to break out of a comfort zone or explore different potentials we have that once once we're confronted with something new, we're automatically like, no, nah, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. But you, you never know, you know? Yeah, I like, I, like, I like where your mind's going with this. I have a question about relationships because I see a lot of the stuff that you do that you put online, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be on Instagram, it's heavily sat in the idea of relationships and not just between, you know, men and women, you know, family relationships, family dynamics. What is it about relationships that drew you there? That, that you know, that not to say all of your poetry, but a lot of your spoken word seems to touch on that subject. What What is it? Was it Was it your now wife? Was it, uh, you know, family situations? I'd love to dig into that with you. Yeah, bro, it, 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 writing about relationships, I'll be 100% honest with you, that is, 200% my wife like I'm listen like I, I, that's too, I don't, I don't I've, I've come to the point where I don't probably don't know what I'm good at do you get what I'm saying I think I'm good at everything I think I was going to be in the NBA I think I was going to be a rapper and maybe God just brought in my life to tell me that listen you're not good at this but this is what you're decent at so she was always said to me that um I should talk about like marriage and write about stuff like that from a male perspective and it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Like I like business. I like entrepreneurship. I like all the things that I talk about in my work, the serious stuff, you know? And then she was just like, listen, you should write about it. You should write about it. A lot of men don't talk about it. And we have such interesting conversations about it. And I think at one point I just kind of, we actually had an argument and I think it was maybe a way to just resolve the argument. I wanted to be like, listen, I wrote this stuff about marriage that you wanted me to write. And I wrote it and I showed it to her and she was like, okay, this is good, but it's not quite there. 
And then I did it again and I sent it to her. And she was like, it's cool, it's not quite there. Then after the third take, she was like, yeah, this is good, share it. Then I started putting stuff out in that capacity, you know what I mean? She's like my number one audience. And then I guess it just started responding to people a lot. And then I had to come outside of myself and being like, although I want to educate people in so many different areas, sometimes your experience is the greatest thing that you have to share. That's incredible. And if anybody is listening, if you've not read some of Silly's, you know, really, really, really good small essays about relationships, you definitely should. Um, I end up reposting them all the time. And digging into them with friends as well, which is interesting because I find that me and my, I'll send it over to a friend and be like, that's a really interesting take on this. Um, I've never really thought about it from that perspective. You know, is that how men see women? Is this how women see men? And there seems to be a lot of those kind of conversations about what is it a man wants from a woman and what is it a woman wants from a man? So we're here at this, you know, this point in your career when you're talking about relationships, you're talking about love, you're talking about family, you're talking about all these things. There's a point at which you must think to yourself, okay, how do I take this to the next level? Like, what is it that I could do? Is it, do I want to start a relationship course? Do I want to start? Because there's always this drive to kind of do more. So Suli, with everything that you speak about in relationships and, and spoken word, what does the Suli 2.0 look like? What is Suli doing in 2022? Oh, this, and see, these are the things I like to talk about. Like, and, and I guess this is my biggest problem. I'm always in that business mode where I'm always thinking about what does it look like? Does it become a book? Does it become this? And that's kind of why the relationship stuff never appealed to me in the first place because I don't want to be like a relationship counsellor, as you get what I'm saying? I feel like it's it's a very delicate situation to go into people's lives and do that, you know? And then, it, so I didn't really see that many products off the back of it. So it was, and so I'm always thinking about like the next step of stuff. For me, I've spoken words, being creative and expressing like ideas is no matter how I can find a way to do it, it's always going to be like my main focus. But I feel like there's so many different ways that so many different mediums in this day and age that you can use to um, to kind of leverage just having influence audience, but also having a craft. So I think for me, the next I don't want to say too much, but I have been working. I took um, a creative writing course prior at Stanford prior. Uh, and then I've been learning about writing and kind of like creating like storytelling. So going into like books and that stuff has always been something I kind of wanted to do. But also I want to see how I can interpret this stuff on stage because that is where like, that is where Sully Breaks kind of really comes to life on stage and in video content. But there's not like, I don't put as much pressure on myself to figure it out as it is to make good good quality product, good quality content, good quality you know, um, services. Because I think once you do that, the audience will come. All right, so there's a bunch, a bunch of stuff that you've got planned and it's more, it sounds like it's more live in your face. Maybe, I would love to maybe see um, City Breaks headlining something in, in, a, in a sort of intimate, maybe 60 of us max in a room where it's a, a conversation, where it's an actual conversation. It's a round table where you're kind of leading a discussion and there are men and women in the room and we're all kind of talking together. I think that would be super cool. So, City, when did you start feeling confident enough to put your, com your truth, right, on the internet, to be honest, your truth, your vision, the way you speak about things, your relationship, on the internet because I know there are so many creators in the audience right now that would that oh my gosh that would create brilliant content here but it's ephemeral right it's here and then it's gone in some cases what advice would you give to them so they could be like you know so they could be as brave as you have been right like so they can bring forth all of that 
weird and wonderful that they have and put it out there for others to consume. So with, uh, it's interesting for me because I've, I've built like a 10 year career of putting stuff out. And then when I started writing more intimate stuff, it, it becomes very difficult for me to put out in terms of like stuff about marriage and all that kind of stuff. I hate putting it out. I'll even be lied to you, bro, because I've always been quite private in that respect. Because I feel like it's easy to kind of let the internet take control of like your relationship or how it's perceived. And I think that is like sometimes like, yeah, that's like pulling teeth. Like my wife will be like, you're going to post it, you're going to post it. And she's a private person as well, but she kind of understands the value it provides. I think when it came to putting my own stuff out, what I, what gave me the confidence was learning to put bad stuff out. All the good stuff that I was putting out, like, because when I started on YouTube, I had to upload every single week, every single week, every single two weeks. So it was like, the moment I had videos coming out that were flopping, it wasn't doing well. It gave me the confidence to be like, ah, right, cool, maybe the next one will be better. So I just started getting to this point of this association with the result, but more of the process, you get what I'm saying? So I was like, if I think this is dope, I'm just going to press the, I'm going. It's, it's scary. I'm just going to press the publish button and carry on with my life. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's really where I found the confidence, you know, on stage, even like, on stage, I, I still get nervous on stage, but I kind of like, I feel like stage is a bit, it's not easier at all, but it's like, you can see everybody in the crowd, didn't it? You know what I mean? So although it's scary, it's a different level of scary. Whereas online, you can't see the person that's going to come and tell you that this is the worst thing that you should, you should, why the hell would you even think anybody would appreciate what you were doing and you should, you know, not quit your day job, you know? <laughs> you know, because those comments get hurtful. hurtful. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, they do. I've had a big conversation about this. Um, internet trolls can be absolutely savage. And although you may have a hundred good comments, that one bad comment that, that, that manages to, you know, give you that kidney punch... Oh man. Um, I still remember comments so, from like five years ago. There's probably like one or two comments like from five years no ago. No way. Like, but I'm, but I'm, I'm kind of self-conscious. I think someone was like, oh my God, you put on so much weight, man. What happened? You know, and that just hurt my soul, you know, because my, my, cause I, cause, cause I think I, I cancelled my gym membership. So, you know, when it just gets you at that moment when you're vulnerable. But it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing. I think the more you put yourself out there, I think there is a... There's a sort of relationship uh, between what I would say, well, you know, fame or notoriety and being good at something. Because if you truly are good at something and you're pursuing your dreams, what's going to happen essentially is you are going to go on a fame irrespective of it, right? If you're putting your best, most authentic self out there, there is going to be a certain level of fame that you will be able to garner, whether it's 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, a million people, whatever it is. And at that point, you know, there will be comments. There will be things they say. So this is the question that I have for you. How do you deal with negative comments? You're putting content out there, you know, weekly, bi-weekly on multiple platforms, right? How are you dealing with those sorts of comments that are negative? Right, I, I just need to take a deep breath. Like, I, w I wouldn't even, I think a lot of, of it, it actually gets quite deep. I think a lot of it comes down to like how you deal with situations outside of the internet. And I'm a kind of person that like I dwell on things and I think about it a lot. So I'm focusing more on like my mental state outside of the internet, and hopefully that enforces how I deal with things on the internet. Because it's it's interesting because a lot of the things like it's just magnified online. So if you're someone who gets very angry when people like criticize your work online, that's magnified times a hundred. So I'm really just working on how do I process information or situations outside of the internet. So if someone says something 
if someone says something bad about me or embarrassing or I feel like degraded in a work environment, how can I detach myself and just let go and be like, that's one person's opinion, let me keep it moving, then bring that to the internet, do you get what I'm saying? Because I feel like if I try to define it in the internet space, it's always going to be dependent on what's happening on the internet. So yeah, I learned how to deal with people trolling me on Twitter, but then a new app comes where people can kind of like direct, like Clubhouse, people can just say it to you on your face, you know what I'm saying? So, so I'm trying to learn to do that. But it's not easy. And more times, one of the best things I've found for negative comments is saying them out loud to someone else. Like, be like, by the way, this person said this, this, this. And you realise how ridiculous it is that you're even offended by it. Because when you say it to someone in person, someone will ask you, oh, who are they? And you'll be like, oh, I don't know them. And, they said, and they'll say to you, oh, so why do you care? Nah, because, oh, were they, was everyone else saying that? No, it was just one person. Like, do you get what I mean? It puts things in a different context. It's so weird. It's so. It's just so weird. But this leads me on to my my second question. Sort of, well, I want to talk to you about two things: the power of the power of the tongue, and the power of the pen. Which one out of those two do you think is your most potent? <laughs> Which is a really weird question. But do you feel like you have, you know, are you at your best when you're on stage? talking in front of an audience or do you feel like you're at your best when you get to sit down and, and, and write through your thoughts? So I definitely articulate myself clearer when I'm writing. Like, to be honest, I always say to people, I'm not actually, I'm not actually that articulate. Well, I'm not as articulate when I'm talking as when I'm writing. I think with anyone, when I get to write, I really get to a handle on what's going on in my brain and I get to shift it with this word and that word. And then by the time it comes out, it all makes sense. But for me, when I communicate it and I talk to people, that's really when it sticks in their brain, you get what I'm saying? And that's really where I'm able to kind of like control a room, you know? So I think for me, for me, my tongue is a lot more powerful, but the words that come out of my mouth are nowhere near as strong if they're not put down and articulated through that kind of process it goes through when I start writing and putting, you know, and putting them to paper in some way. That's interesting when you can kind of take yourself, oh, taking the time to think through things mm-hmm. is a skill in itself. Some people take their time and they actually, they, it, it gets worse. <laughs> they take their time and they put something, seriously, and it gets worse. Like, no, I kind of like the draft you had way more than this, this, you know, quote unquote, polished version. So for you to be like, okay, it, it, I'd like to perform. I think there is an, I wouldn't call it an act, but when you're on stage and you're actually talking to people and you can make eye contact, you can figure out what is, you know, resonating with people and what's not. There is a different sort of approach to it. But yeah, I, I agree. I Personally, for me, I think you're brilliant in both. Um, you're somebody that I look up to and somebody that I really, really, really admire. Um, in terms of just being a creator, but not a creator that conforms to what's currently out there. How did you get to meet Will Smith? The internet has told me <laughs> that you and Will Smith are friends, and I want to know how you and Will Smith are friends, how you got to meet him. How does that happen? Oh, it's simple. It's, it's, it's kind of like the universal law, you know, Will recognises Will, you know. I think at what, some point, I think at some point, Will, Will had to humble himself and be like, you know what, there's this guy right here who's so talented, and I need to figure out how he's just having such an impact on the world. You get what I'm saying? So I'm just sitting there. So I'm just chilling there and I get a message from someone. They say, Will wants to meet you. And I say, Will, Will, who? And they say, Will Smith. And I said, oh, the actor, does he need some lessons? Does he need someone to kind of coach him for his next movie? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm really struggling with capturing the script for this next movie. Um, long story short. So um, I was in LA 
um, he must have seen one of my videos, tweeted it, and one of his um, friends was like, you know, he loves your stuff. We ever in LA, hit me up. And I ended up in LA. And then still thinking it's a joke, still thinking like, oh, this is just something that people say. I get a message and they're like, oh, Will says you want to meet tonight or tomorrow? And I was like, okay, okay, if this happens to be real, I just jumped off a train, a plane, you know, I've got bated breath, I'm jet lagged, you know, let me at least like say the next day in it. And lo and behold, cut a long story short, driving through LA traffic, we was an hour late to the point where Will said he left. Only for us to turn up, I'm in tears thinking he's gone. And he was like, I got you, here I am, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say we're friends, but it's more like a student master. He's like the student and I'm like the master relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, I like that. The student master relationship. No, he is another wordsmith. I've watched him do a number of things where he's talking about, you know, what it is to read, you know, why reading is so important, uh, you know, the Nickelodeon Awards and all these other things. So he's another person that, you know, I think a lot of people look up to, irrespective of age, irrespective of race, irrespective of creed. A lot of people look up to Will Smith. So the fact that you got to kind of have dinner with him is insane. Like when I really think about it. Um, all right. So we're heading into 2022, right? Um, it's been a very weird two years for all of us. We kind of don't know what the future holds for any of us. And, you know, you kind of alluded to some of your plans, but my big question is this, for 2022, if you have the opportunity to maybe reach down and, and, and build a sort of community, I'm a big believer that community is going to be the backbone of everything Web 3.0. Who is your community? What do they look like? You know, how do they support you? And how do you keep them engaged? I don't even know the answer to that question, if I'm honest, but I think one thing I've really been excited about recently it's kind of experimenting and not being too rigid. Like you say, like, like that's why when you ask me what's going on, I couldn't tell you too much because I'm kind of like being like, how do I keep on making myself a better communicator, a better creative, you know what I'm saying? And then in that process, hopefully people not only follow the journey, but new people join along the way. Do you get what I'm saying? But at the same time, the kind of people that I need, the people who really want to make change but not for the sake of like vanity but actually want to make change because they understand the benefits that it has for everybody you know what i'm saying so when it comes to like stuff when it's around like entrepreneurship and investing my thing is how do we invest to build an ecosystem whereby like our kids are in a better position than we are you you know um, i think that's a big important thing for me If you're enjoying this conversation, you'll really enjoy the other IWC podcast, Partners in Time. Hosts Chris Granger and Paul Ripke take turns to interview some of the most interesting and successful people on the planet. From Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton to prophetic photographer Missan Haram. Go subscribe to IWC Spotify to listen to even more amazing conversations. Now back to Creators Time. Let's get some people up from the audience. First up, we have Jay Good, also known as Janet. Janet, what question do you have for Silly? The question that I have for you, um, 
and it is about relationships. It's about relationships with with like with your son. Um, the one thing that I had when I was going to do my degree, because my background's fashion and textiles, and my dad was dead against it. Didn't see the point in it. He wanted me to go into medicine. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm a creative. This is what I want to do. Um, and even with my boys as well, I've always encouraged them to be able to do what they want to do. Even with my eldest, he's, he's finding his way. He's working on his brand. Um, I've been able to share my space with him to be able to uh, create the things that he wants to create, weird and wonderful um, garments as well. So I can't wait for his stuff to come out. But my question is for you, is as your son gets older and you're building on the relationship with him, if he was to come to you and said that he wanted to do something that you wasn't necessarily 100% with, how would you work with him to be able to not dismiss him? You don't want to, because we don't want to be able to dismiss our kids in, in the things that they want to do. How would you work with him to be able to help him to grow in in the direction that he wants to go in? Yeah, no, I think it's a good question, you know what I mean? Because already people always like to me, like every time he, he, he like he reads and every time he does something very clever, they'll be like, okay, you've got a future like writer there. And I'll be like, no, 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 I want a tech billionaire. I don't want no writers, you know, I want Elon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I think I think what is interesting to me, I think one of the, the key things I've kind of learned and maybe it doesn't answer your question is that First of all, like, as you know, as a parent, the kids are only ever going to learn from my example. And I think the strongest example I realise I can give them is in ethics, the way I approach work, but also the way I kind of like handle challenges. You know what I mean? Because I've realised that two things like most, most, most young people are not going to figure out themselves between like 16 and 21 or even 25. You know, you figure out yourself like much later in life. So I feel like what is important for me is to give him the values to, to, to no matter what industry or discipline he goes into, he, I can give him values that he can apply that are kind of like transferable across all kind of fields. Um, and I think secondly, the most important thing I guess I'm going to do and I'm going to have to do, I think as a parent, is to kind of educate ourselves on the things that our children want to do. And I'm just saying that maybe resentfully, but like, for instance, randomly, you see all these kids who have built like esports teams and these are, they're making like massive corporations from like computer gaming. Back in the day when I was young, my parents were just like, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. What are you doing? So I feel like I'm, I guess I'm hoping to have a level of kind of like compassion to be like, okay, cool. Or, or just empathy to be like, why do you want to do this? And let me understand a bit more about it. And then maybe in understanding that I can show you why I may not necessarily agree with it, but maybe there's a way that I can help you leverage it and make it more fruitful in, in that kind of respect. So I've, cause I've, I've just got to the point where I've realized that nothing is guaranteed in this world and there's no actual direct route to being successful. It just changes so much as you go through life. So whatever you're fixed with at one point, I always feel like it's going to change anyway. So it's like, how do I build the skills that you need to get through every circumstance rather than, specifically try to be like you have to do this or you have to do that you know that's really interesting it sounds more more so that you're just giving them the tools to be able to navigate any sort of situation it doesn't really matter what they want to pursue it's more so about how they pursue it and just ensuring that they pursue it with excellence and compassion for themselves and others 
We've got a question coming from Stephen M. Hughes. Stephen, do you have any questions to Suli? Appreciate you, bro. Um, what's going on, Suli? I've, I've enjoyed the conversation today. I sent Abraxas a message earlier when you were talking about um, publishing content and deciding to just publish it when you decide to hit that button and keep and keep it moving. And whatever happens, happens. Whoever comments, whatever engagement it gets, that's how it works. But um, can you talk a little bit about uh, because I know that sometimes when people are giving of themselves, like they're creating something for their community or for their clients that is of themselves, like a service, like your writing um, or your content production, that uh, people get caught in their heads a lot about that. And so can you just talk a little bit about um, how you even got to the point where you're saying, you know, it, I'm going to publish it. And uh, if you have a like a small or if you have a community that's intimate that you know, goes back and forth with you or gives you some insight on the things that you do create. Cool, bro. It's interesting because what you're saying is very true. I think that always being attached to stuff, that comes that comes automatically. I feel like like if it is something you're creating that's earnestly from you, there's always gonna be the attachment. The unnatural part is what I try to do, is try to detach. And to be honest, I had to get to a point pay a point of like heavy what I, what would I describe at the time as failure before I was able to get into that mindset because I was at a point where like content wasn't connecting, it, the engagement wasn't high, views wasn't connecting. So it was more from a place of there was nothing to lose. You get what I'm saying? So it, but in through that came the silver lining that I was able to be like, if I do keep on putting stuff out, eventually something will connect and then I will get to that point where it's like, okay, this is what people like. Let's try and do more along those lines. So I feel like it's not a glamorous answer but you have to get to a point where you have tried it enough times and you and you're and you're comfortable with your failures and having and and i'm not when i say comfortable with your failures i'm just saying that first first time you fail you feel like i want to retire from this second time you fail you think i want to take two months off time after that like i want to take two two weeks off now when i fail i'll be like okay let me take two hours off and then jump back on it Do you get what i'm saying so i think it's really training the muscle but you don't get it straight away. It's, it's, it was never just like one conscious decision to be like, I don't care. It's training a muscle and it's even like going gym because then, you know, sometimes when you leave the muscle for too long, you build up, it gets relaxed and you have to train it again. So I feel like it's a constant process of evaluation and kind of like going back and forth and reminding yourself because if this is your career, you also have to be heavily invested in strategy and strategy does involve being invested in what do people like and what they don't like, you know, and you have to, you have to take that on board as well. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like the two mindsets that I'm constantly going between, but I should say that it's on a spectrum. It's never just one like, Oh, after that, I don't care ever again. It's a, it's a back and forth kind of like reinforcement all the time. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much Sully, for that, that response. I'm taking that one away with me. Um, we've got somebody else on stage here. We've got Eli Green. Eli is a good friend of mine. Eli Green, welcome to the stage. What question do you have for Silly? It's a real pleasure to hear your voice, by the way. Um, and, and I'm being introduced to your work. I guess my question, what really captivated me about you speaking was hearing you, <laughs> hearing the kids in the background. I am also a father and I, I, I find it, you know, I, I do feel blessed that I have the opportunity to continue my creative work even as a father. But I do find it every day, like 
having to switch hats and, you know, figure out how to juggle it and being creative and when I'm going to be creative. And, and I'm going to assume that some of it is, you know, who you're partner with, obviously, but what are the other things you deal with to try to balance that, to put, give yourself space, uh, to be creative, you know, your own time. Uh, do you have a certain hour or what are the little tricks that you've learned along the way? Yeah, um, no, that's a good question. Yeah, I kind of, I've kind of realized to myself that my time is the most, is, it's the most important time to me, but it's the least important time to like <laughs> the children and the rest of the family. You know what I'm <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And, and you know, as a creative, you're probably working on like the next matrix revolution, you know, but nobody gives a damn if the breakfast isn't made. So I guess for me, one of the things I've kind of waking up early is one of the biggest things, like waking up early before 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 the household wakes up. It's so unfair because we all go to bed at the same time, but even my son sleeps earlier, but I have to be the first person up. That's one of the things I've had. Um, I've kind of found ways, I've had to tailor my working style. Like I'm a very obsessive creative. I used to like working on something for like eight hours, 10 hours, that kind of stuff. But I've kind of got to the point where I'm learning to segment my days. So I have like my creative kind of outputs and blocks. So when I'm writing, I have it like, this is writing time. When I'm filming, this is video time before they all used to merge together. And then the the last one I kind of got to was kind of like switching off time is so important because I can then like negotiate with my wife and be like, listen, I'm going to go to the library for four hours. But when I come back, I'm going to be switched off, not dibble and dabbling between stuff. So then I'm going to be fully there. So I guess when you do that, you kind of are able to kind of make up the time in other areas because you're dedicated time. I used to think, yeah, I always used to, I used to want to always balance it, always be like, let me work on this while he's sitting on my knee in it. But I've kind of realized that switching off time kind of adds to the time where you can be intense. I'm reading a lot about um, manga, people who draw mangas um, in, in Japan. And uh, Japan, you know, it's got a culture of like overworking. And one of the kind of um, things they really advocate is finding times to kind of like intensely focus. And before I was always kind of like doing things here and there, but now I kind of be like, I'm going to go here four hours, intensely focus, then come back to the drawing board or come back to the household. So I think it's really just about segmenting the time like efficiently. I'm sorry it's nothing revolutionary, but I'm still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure it out. That's why I asked. It's a hard question. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. Right. We've got one more question on stage to you. Tabitha, welcome to the stage. Tabitha is a good friend of mine. What question do you have for Silly? Hey, Silly. Um, it was actually kind of similar to Eli's, but I'm going to change it. Um because I'm a mom and it's really hard to work <laughs> and, uh, oh, you know, I have so two kids, hard, two yeah. young kids. Um, but so my question is going to be, I've recently checked out your poetry and it's a lot about marriage and it's so relatable. I, I really loved it. Are you going to write anything about parenting or have you already started? <laughs> um, no, I, I don't feel like I have enough experience parenting yet. Um, I, I, yeah, so my son's four at the moment, so I feel like I'm still so much of an amateur. Um, maybe as it as it pertains to be create, you know what? Actually, like I was saying, I'll try and write something about parenting and see how it goes. If people don't like it, then I'll know that that's not my calling. But um, yeah, I, I think um, you've given me an idea that I didn't really think about actually. 
The funny thing is, Tabitha, if you've ever seen Silly's Instagram, right? <laughs> his parent, his parent style <laughs> is unique. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the word unique. <laughs> no judgment, <laughs> but it's very unique. I would, lo- I would personally would love to see this book. <laughs> I would pick it up. I would read it. It would be. It would be a comedy book as well. Um, if you don't follow Silly on Instagram, please do so. It is it is a joy. Whenever I see that uh, ring around his name saying there's more content coming from Silly, it is always timely and funny. So definitely give Silly a follow. And Tabitha, thank you so much for the question. Silly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you up here with us. Uh, you are a, a shining star of a reminder that you can do things your own way. What does it look like to be a poet or a spoken word artist in 2021? Well, you've all managed to speak to a shining example of just that. Silly, we truly do appreciate you. Um, I am an avid fan of your content. It is funny, it is touching, it is wholesome. Continue your journey with the grace that you've had for yourself and everybody else that you've had around you. It is truly something incredible to see especially in this uk scene love bro love bro